This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast, episode 156. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. And um, I'm sure all of you listening, this is your 156th time to listen because you've all been in from the ground floor. You're the best. We appreciate everybody. Best podcast listeners out there. Appreciate it. Michael, we're getting ready for some football, man. It's. I still can't believe it's going to happen. I mean, especially. I'm sure we'll cross we'll your a little bit. There was <laughs> little little COVID news around Lubbock today, but um, seems like it may sound worse than it is. So I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit. But looks like it's still it's still full steam ahead, man. As of today, August 25th, year of our Lord 2020, there will be football. We are two and a half weeks out from game number one. Which is strange because in normal years, this would probably, we'd be either prepping for game number one or like a week out. This would be probably the week zero games. There'd be some random games in Australia (laughs) and Hawaii and whatever. This, this would be kind of the, the teaser week of college football, I think. Yeah. But Texas Tech, we are first game September 12th. Until then, we are still collecting entries for Dream No Little Dream. Novella from Travis Hale, contributors taking the planes, about a young man and an unlikely relationship with an old farmer going through the 2016 Texas Tech football season. Fantastic little read. It goes quickly. We are taking submissions for your entry into the drawing. We want to hear what your favorite game, most memorable game from Texas Tech history, as long as it's not 2008 versus Texas in the football category. Yeah, and and this goes for any memorable game from Tech history in women's basketball, men's baseball, any any of it. We do have a men's basketball entry on the list. Got a couple football games. Anyways, we're taking it all. Only rule, obviously, you have to send to us on social media. So you have to be a follower of us. Follow the show on Twitter at 23Personnel. Follow me, Spencer, at PuntsSuck. Michael, at Michael underscore LBK. You can also follow us on Instagram at 23PersonnelPodcast. You follow us on one of those accounts. Send us your favorite game. You are entered. We will run that. Another couple of weeks, we will announce or notify the winners the week of our next recording, which will be in two weeks. 
that'll be the game week where we do our preview of Houston Baptist. And then we, we, we get rolling, man. It'll be two pods a week. I know. I know. It's, it's going to be all up in your feeds. Make sure you're subscribing on Spotify, whatever. Stitch Fix, is that one? Stitch Fix. I don't think that's one. Um, Google Play Music, Apple Play, or Apple, on the Apple Store, Apple Podcasts, anywhere, really, that you get your podcasts, our podcast will be there. So find us, subscribe. Obviously, you're listening to us. If you listen on the website or on the Twitter link, go ahead and subscribe. Subscribe in your favorite podcatcher and strap in yeah, man, don't really go going. to stitch fix though that was that was i was messing around you stitch fix is clothing that's right uh <laughs> what isn't there something close to stitch fit like isn't there a stitch there's stitcher there's stitcher that see that's where you i don't got even me. know if we're on stitcher i'm sure we are we're, we're on podcast addict Podbean. anyways catch us there Get ready for the football season by picking up your 23 personnel podcast, t-shirts, hoodies, all that fun stuff. We're not quite in hoodie season yet, but you can pick any of that up on our Teespring store. Teespring.com slash store slash 23 personnel podcast. Before we jump into football, because that's the only thing we're talking about this week. Michael, we've got a little bit of some exciting news to share. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to share this exciting news. What's what's going on? We have been asked back to the Rob Bro t- College Tailgate Show for 2020. We did it. I I, I, um, how, I guess we didn't leave the place in too big of a mess. We'll get our security deposit back and everything. We'll we'll be all right. We've been invited to stay. Rob Bro will be hosting the show every Saturday um, starting September 12th through December 5th. We will be on 10 a.m. to noon every Saturday, except on days where Tech plays at 11. Then I believe we'll go 9 to 11. But we will be a a consistent we'll be on the air consistent time every week you don't have to try to figure out okay if the if the kickoff is at six the pregame show is at three no every every saturday tune in at 10 while you're running around doing your last minute errands before the game picking up the stuff for your tailgate tune in to kkam which is 1340 a.m to listen to rob bro myself and michael on the rob bro college tailgate show Fun thing about this, though, guys, we are going to do a call-in teaser show this Saturday, August 29th, on KKAM's sister station, KFYO. Uh, I don't I don't have the call numbers for that. What What is it? 950? That's Fox Talk. Dang, uh, 790. 790. 790 on the AM dial and then um, it's 95.1. 95.1 on the FM. Also, the show will be syndicated. So worldwide, we are going to be playing in two cities simultaneously. What is up? Um, first show, like I said, this Saturday, it'll be 1 to 3 p.m. 
Get yourself ready for some on-air jalapeno popper taste testing. Michael, I'm picking up some Woody's Popper House on the way into the station to share, contribute (laughs) to the snack fund. Okay, so we probably won't be eating them on the air. We'll probably eat them with all the breaks and be like, okay, so this break we had X. If you haven't heard of Woody's Popper House here in in the LBK and the Hubbleplex is our favorite talk show host says, um, they are owned by the same group that does the Woody's brick house pizza. This is an old converted gas station on 50th, just off of Quaker literally just do smoked jalapeno poppers. It sounds fantastic. They've got five different varieties. We're going to pick some up, try them out, give you our taste recommendations. Cause we have to get back to our roots at some point, Michael, and talk about a little bit of food. Oh, yeah. Jalapeno poppers, definitely a tailgate. It's a tailgate staple. Yeah. If we're going to so, be on I a mean, tailgate show, we have to talk about tailgate food. Yeah, so gather around. If, you, if you're in the Lubbock area, gather around your AM dial or FM dial on Saturday from 1 to 3. We'll be on 95.1 FM, 790 AM on KFYO with Rob kind of give a preview, have some poppers. Uh, you can listen at kfyo.com, and then from there on, you can go to kkam.com or tune in to 1340 AM if you're in the area for the weekly Saturday shows. And give our friend of the show, Rob Bro, a follow on the Twitter. He's at Rob Bro Show, and that's bro spelled B-R-E-A-U-X. Please give him a follow. He's an awesome follow. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to hanging out with him again every Saturday and talking some football and trying to not make each other laugh too hard uh, during breaks. <laughs> it's going to be a blast. Um, one more thing. You can also download the KKAM Talk 1340 app and stream yep. the show there. That app is on all of your Apple, not Apple, all of your app stores. So. Before we jump into our football news and 2020 season predictions, we want to let you know that as sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball and the NBA are in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the Welcome Back to Sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Michael. Yes. Let's talk football. Punt the ball. They go four up top. They throw the fade to Fasher. Caught. Touchdown. With time. Delivered. Picked off. Demarcus Fields down the sideline. Touchdown. Red Raiders. 97 yards. Harrell back to throw. Going deep down the sideline for Robert Johnson. Oh my! Got it! Touchdown! Robert Johnson, touchdown, Red Raider! Take a shot to the end zone. 
It's a touchdown to Reginald Davis. All day to throw. Over the top, Jakeem Grant. Touchdown, Texas Tech. Second down now. Deep strike. Got the big man. Okay, so first I need to address, you said punt the ball. Punts suck. They always suck. (laughs) Except for... I don't know why that was the first thing that came to my head. That was terrible. (laughs) Maybe because our best player is a punter. Maybe that's that's where I'm living right now. That's all I was going to say. So punts suck, except when Austin McNamara is putting his leg into it. Then they don't. But isn't it just a little bit sad that our best player is a kicker? Eh, well, you know, it is what it is. It's 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 sad until he's pinning people behind the five consistently, and I, I'm just loving every second of it. Oh, that's that's gonna be the, the fun part. Yeah. Um, speaking of fun, we have to talk about preseason polls that are coming out, especially <laughs> the AP poll. Apparently, AP voters were instructed to vote on teams that were, regardless if they were participating in the 2020. Fall 2020 football season. So you've got teams like Penn State, Ohio State, Oregon, USC. You've got nine out of the top 25 teams that are ranked that aren't even playing. This just this just screams about how useless preseason polls are. Okay, so this just shows how how completely completely worthless and useless they are, which is something I believe that we've been clamoring on since we started this here podcast 156 episodes ago. I mean, I I get that the majority of of preseason polls are for entertainment. And I wish that like that's as far as it went, but like preseason polls actually do have some carryover into the beginning of the season. They can heavily influence where a team starts. If you start too high, you've got you have the benefit of the doubt. Like an early season trip up doesn't cost you as much. Um, if you're not can included in the rankings, you've got a long way to go. But yeah, oh, I was I was gonna say if you haven't seen the the tweet from the official AP Top Twenty Five account, you should do that. It came out. Um. Goodness, when is when that come out? The twenty fourth, August twenty fourth at eleven oh nine a.m. But the best thing about this is if you scroll through the replies, BYU fan on here says, "Why are y'all including ghosts? <laughs> will they drop the teams that want to be?" This is, this is somebody else. Will they drop the teams that want to be safe after the first week? We don't want to be reminded of the lack of playing. Somebody else says the Big, 20, Big Ten Pac-12 shouldn't even get participation trophies this year, much less be mentioned in a preseason poll. There's somebody that, that offered up a, an a actual top 25 of teams that will be playing. Um, it just, so yeah. if, you, if, you, if you haven't seen this tweet, search it out and then go through the replies. Some of them are great. Thanks for wasting everybody's time. Who's going to tell them the Big Ten and Pac-12 aren't playing? Um, let's just rank the historically good teams to kowtow to those fan bases. I just wonder how many weeks it's going to take for Ohio State to drop out of the top ten. <laughs> right? Like, if a team isn't playing, will they still will they still be ranked 
after week one. I, I have a feeling some of these voters, I think Ohio State is going to get some votes <laughs> like, like, off and on throughout the year. Well, if, if Ohio State was playing, I, I bet they would have won in week one. Yeah, no, that's stupid. Um, going from that, saying that the AP preseason poll is stupid to some NCAA news that isn't stupid. Shocker, NCAA did something right. They are granting a blanket year of eligibility for all athletes in 2020, regardless if they play or not. Basically saying everybody will retain the 2020 season year of eligibility if you play zero games, if your team is not participating this year, if you play 10 games, if you somehow lucky enough to get through an entire COVID shortened season, you will still be retained this year of eligibility. So it's good for, for everybody. Like the players that are opting out or that don't have the choice or chance to play this year, they're not harmed. The teams that are playing, it helps them in case their season is cut short. They're not penalized for trying. I like it. Yeah, it's it's really about the best way they could do it. Um, you know, it could work in kids' favors. It it's still there. Probably will be some kids, especially you know, in the conferences not playing, who kind of feel like it's not completely fair that another kid may actually get to play two years when they only got to play one. But it's really the only way to address kind of every scenario as fairly as possible. Yeah. It, it, so yeah, it just, kudos to him for doing the right thing or is, you know, as right as they could. I mean, it makes the most sense. Like you're not, you're not being weird about, well, you played four games. You're going to be counted. You're not going to have this eligibility or <clears throat> everybody's going to lose a year of eligibility, regardless if you played or not, or no, everybody gets it. No matter if you play or not, uh, if you opt out, we, we saw that two Texas Tech players today decided to opt out of playing in the 2020 season. Matt Wells confirmed it. He did not say who they were. Um, but I would assume if we get a, a depth chart here towards the end of fall camp, we can kind of put two and two together and find out who they are. Um, there's nothing wrong with players opting out. I'm, I'm on board of letting them make that choice. Um, if the if the players, their families, whatever, if they decide it's not worth the risk, they get to keep the year of eligibility anyways. So make the decision that makes the most sense for them. Play, not play. Don't, you know, harm them or put them in harm's in harm's way. Don't retaliate against them. It, it doesn't make any sense to to call them out or anything like that. Anyways. Two tech players that may not be the only tech players that make this choice. I think we just heard these are the first two and it may have something to do with um, Texas Tech announcing or confirming there were 21 active coronavirus cases within the football program this week. Um, and it includes staff members. Wells did say it's not a, a coach on the staff, but there may be like a student coach or GA that has it and then players. Um, the good thing about it, um, again, I, I go back to being selfish. If we're going to play then as a fan, I, 
I feel like a coronavirus uh, exposure or positive test here is almost inevitable. Um, and for anybody that's trying to participate this year, it just it makes the most sense that you get it early and get it over with. Again, it, it, it's yeah, it's I'm with it's you. Selfish. It's it's, <laughs> it's cynical and selfish to say it out loud, but that's really if this if the season is going to continue, and this is just something that's going to be half that we're going to have to deal with. And by we, I mean college football fans. And so, yeah, how much are we dealing with it? But that teams will have to deal with overall. It's aside from calling everything off. Um, this is just going to have to be a part of it. There will be weeks where I'd imagine a certain position group maybe swapped around and, and Wells has talked about that. And I'm sure every other team in college football is doing the same thing right now. They're trying to get a lot of, you know, players familiar with, you know, two or three positions and have the ability to step in and, and move around if, if, you know, someone is unable to play for a couple of weeks. Aside from transfer players, he seemed pretty he seems pretty set on keeping transfer guys at the position that he recruited them to play. But I, I think the guys that he's had on here, he's he's moving around and swapping them around. So it's going to be an issue that they'll have to deal with and as much as it it sounds I sound like a jack wagon saying it out loud, I I'm it's better that some of these guys get it now if that's going to happen as opposed to getting it later. And then of course on a caveat on top of that is you hope that they have no complications, of course, mm-hmm. and that anyone they come in contact with doesn't have complications if they also contract the virus. I mean all all of those things go with this and but just as a complete, you know, cold look at it, it's better to have it in August um, than in, you know, early November. Right. And, and I guess where I'm coming from is, is it, it provides the least amount of disruption to the season for the team if they're able to handle this not in game week. So, like I said, you've got two weeks out from the first game. These players and staff members are self-isolating. Um, they didn't give any conditions of them, but typically uh, those that have been infected in this age range have been fairly mild. But the concern there is if they were to come in contact with a, somebody that's in a vulnerable population, whether it's in their family or in the community, and pass it on to them. Either way, like I said... In terms of disruption for the season, uh, positive cases or outbreak or whatever you want to call it, in late August is preferable since it just kind of feels inevitable. Anyways, you were talking about uh, players cross-training, learning new positions. That's something that we've heard about a lot at Texas Tech historically, but certainly this year, specifically uh, along the offensive line, the offensive line coach Farmer says that he basically trains the tackles to be able to play both tackle spots and the guard next to them. The guards to play either guard spots or center. And then he's got a handful of, of center. So the, the basically 
the players can work their way in. And he said, by doing this, we can have 10, 12 players that we can plug in anywhere along the line on any Saturday, any game, and feel like we're not playing a center at tackle or have somebody completely out of their depth. Um, so that's, that's good to see that, they, that they've been making that those kind of plans early on. It also allows them to help identify areas that, you know, like let's say Jack Anderson is a better center than guard. Well, that's identified early on in, in his career as, as they're trying to cross train. It's like, Oh, actually he works better here. You know, whether he's got the, he's got better presence to help call out the protections or he reads the defenses better, or he's just better at taking on, you know, interior defensive linemen than playing out on the perimeter, taking on fast defensive ends, linebackers, safeties, whatever. Um, so there's that. There are also players, I assume, in terms of along the defensive line, running backs, defensive backs, receivers that are cross-training. Um, so they are preparing to be able to play with whoever they have available, um, which just makes me a little bit more confident that you're going to be able to withstand even an in-season outbreak on the team a little bit better than if you were more rigid with your position groups. Yep, it's it's going to be – it does kind of worry me a little bit to have too much fluidity be- between positions to feel like maybe you do have you, – like you said, you don't want a tackle playing guard – or, or something you, you just want a lineman that can do it all but at the same token you don't want a cornerback playing safety and so you, just kind of that sort of mentality I, I think us as fans will have to kind of get used to that because i think across the league you're going to see it you're going to see the swapping in and out um some of us here at schools that have are used to or are not as flush with the four and five star guys are used to seeing this. Uh, you know, we're used to seeing some QBs that end up playing wide receiver here at Tech or, or or something like that. So it's it's not that out of term for Tech fans, but I think it's going to be even more apparent this, this season. Yeah. All right, let's move on and talk about players specifically for Texas Tech. If you saw the news this week, Xavier White was put on scholarship. He's originally from the Lubbock area, Transferred in from Dodge City Community College, played inside receiver for a little bit in 2019, then suffered a season-ending injury, was able to retain that year of eligibility through a red shirt, but um, he's been moved to, the, to running back to join Chadarius Townsend, Sir Roderick Thompson, Taj Brooks, and give you some options back there. He's In terms of a running back, he's actually got pretty good size. I think he's like 5'11", 190. Which is that's a dude. That's, that's a, a dude, dude right there. Um, I mean, he's not Chadarius Townsend, who's I think is like six three, but I mean that that's that's pretty non typical running back size. Um, but yeah, Xavier White, excited for him. It's really cool to see the video where his parents actually joined the team meeting on Zoom. The, the entire team was on Zoom, but his parents joined. Uh, apparently, Xavier is a third generation Texas Tech athlete. Um, put on scholarships. So it was really cool, 
cool video and an interesting way to kind of handle that process since, you know, they're cutting down on as many large group meetings as possible. And then we heard some official news. I mean, it was kind of um, hinted at and there were rumors about this for a while, but uh, defensive end Tyree Wilson is transferring into Texas Tech. He's coming from A&M. Uh, he entered the, the transfer portal back in February. And I think even basically all over the spring, there was just thoughts that he would end up at Tech. It's a big dude. He's 6'6", 260. Uh, I've seen him listed anywhere up to 280. Um, played defensive end on the, the weak side, so not the rush end, but more of like the run stopper type guy. Played in 12 games for the Aggies in 2019. Um, 12 total tackles, three tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. He is seeking immediate eligibility, but that has not been determined as of yet. Um, but yeah, Ty- Tyree Wilson, uh, just another name among many, many transfers that Matt Wells has been able to secure. He's got five power five transfers on the roster right now. Safety, Eric Monroe from LSU, running back to Darius Townsend from Alabama. And I said he's six, three, he's actually six foot. Um, Duke linebacker, Jacob Morgenstern, Michigan state linebacker, Brandon Boyer, Randall, and then Tyree Wilson from Texas A&M. I think one of the most interesting things about those five players you just listed is only one of them is an offensive player. And they're from teams that play really good defense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, LSU, Eric Monroe. I mean, that's that's going to make make a difference. I, uh, I mean, it's it's amazing what Wells has been able to do, especially with everything that's going on. He's he's still somehow connecting with with these kids and convincing them to come out here. And that's not always an easy thing to do. We don't like to say that you can't recruit to Lubbock, but we do admit that it's it may be tougher than some other places, especially when you can't show them around. Uh, because I, I think a lot of kids come here and they they kind of see the town, they see the facilities, and they they can picture it better um, as opposed to thinking it's just some wasteland. Like, no, there's probably 300,000 people that live around Lubbock, and it's – it's a town. <laughs> it's it's a place you you will recognize as a town, but it, it's it speaks a lot to what Wells was able to do to get these guys to come and and you know con- kudos to them for taking the chance for you know transferring from Alabama to Texas Tech and giving giving us a shot. Yeah, for sure. Um, Sorry, I, did, I, I blanked for a second. Spaced out, man. I did. Where'd you go? Internet connection problems. Oh, that's what it was. Buffering. Sure. We were buffering over here. Yeah, so th- those uh, those Power 5 transfers added to the list of some of the JUCO transfers that Wells and company have also brought in. Garden City Community College linebacker, Creshawn Merriweather. Colleyville offensive lineman, Ethan Card. Iowa Western defensive end, Devin Drew. Northeastern Oklahoma A&M defensive back Cameron Watts, San Mateo tight end Jason Lloyd, and Northwest Mississippi safety Cameron White. So 11 players on your roster with 11 new players on your roster from 
other college programs this year. Meaningful experience. Looking forward to seeing him out there. Bring it on. <laughs> All right. Um, before we jump into our season preview, I guess one last little bit of news. Texas Tech announced plans for parking and tailgating. It's not really out of the ordinary for other announcements with attendance, but Texas Tech sponsored tailgating events have been canceled for 2020, including Raider Alley and all corporate tailgates. If you're looking to tailgate, lots will open only three hours prior to kickoff, so you don't get to be up there all day. Um, personal tailgating should be limited to no more than 10 people. Uh, no tents larger than 10 by 10 will be be permitted and they're asking for 10 foot minimum between tents and tailgate groups. RV lots will open Friday nights at 5:30. Same standard of 10, no more than 10 people, and then all lots will be cleared 1 hour after the conclusion of the game. So, one thing Michael I saw on Twitter you're like I would hate to be the person trying to enforce this. And I yeah, agree. It's- That's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, it's it's not so much that I have an issue with what they've done. It's um, it sounds reasonable, but it's going to be really hard to enforce because there's going to be cross tailgating. You know how these players are playing different positions. <laughs> there's going to be there's going to be cross tailgating. There's going to be a really cool you know cornhole game over here that someone wants to play, and but they came with this other tailgating group and. It's it's so easy for that to happen, and I'm not sure how that could be in, enforced reasonably. I and wonder. I really if feel sorry for the poor soul who's going to have to do it. One, I I wonder if they're not going to try to enforce it. You you may have a couple people that are like super serious about their jobs that want to try to do that, but I wonder if it's more of a liability thing. Like Texas Tech had to have a plan in place, had to have the guidelines set and in writing saying, okay, Texas Tech will allow these things to happen under these circumstances. And if they're not followed, then that's on the people, not on Texas tech. You know what I mean? It's more of a CYA liability issue. Yeah. Kind of the, the honor system. Basically it's, I mean, it's sensible. It makes sense. It seems like it's something that is easy to follow, but I know that it's not going to be easy for some people to follow, but I would imagine there's just going to be a lot less of it. So it should be achievable. You know, on a normal game day, there's no way you could get uh, 10 feet between tents, between every tent and tailgate group. There's just no way you could do it, especially the closer you get to the stadium. But I, I guess if there's just going to be a lot less people and less time to do it, I mean, you're looking at max. What do we say, like 15,000? Well, yeah, and then max eight hours of tailgating. That's it. Three hours before, one hour after. So it'll it'll be a relatively short tailgating day for most of the hardcore people. I'm I'm interested about the you know, the R V lots. I'm surprised that they were going to open, but I guess so because a lot of the R V lots have a lot of money. <laughs> they, well, they spend a lot of money and they, they pay for those lots and so I I imagine they want they want to use them, but that's impossible to enforce because people are going to be staying there overnight. And I, I'm just, 
I agree that they had to do something. It was either that or just not have it at all. And I guess they chose rather than not having it at all, they'll throw this out there and they just hope, hope people do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would assume that like the thought was that most RV groups are pretty self-contained to that vehicle. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I, I think it may just be a liability CYA type thing and allow it to happen rather than try to shut it all down. <clears throat> yep. I'd imagine so. So guys, 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. There's one thing you can control and that's shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and it includes tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. <clears throat> The Shears 2.0 nail kit allows you to pluck your eyebrows and trim your nails in style. It's what we all need. On the website, you'll also find the Crop Preserver, anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame that summer swamp butt with some natural hydrators and antioxidants. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's like having cologne that's designed for your balls. We won't judge you if you catch you sniffing yourself. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, listen to this show. We'll get 20% off plus free shipping with code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use, arm, use code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns and shave that front trunk. So, Spencer, did you know that college football is coming back? Were you aware? Have we discussed this at all? Man, it's been it's been maybe something we discussed. Maybe on the tip of your tongue. Well, in case you didn't know, sports just keep coming back. And college football is the next one. So and so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball, NBA are in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. Bet Online has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on including the extremely fun Dallas Mavericks. How about that, Luca? Dude, that that, that uh, <laughs> game-winning three-pointer at the buzzer. That was insane. Luca magic. It was, it was unreal. Uh, so, of course, you could wager on, on the Mavs. You could also tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive and expensive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all of the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Speaking of the Mavericks, not faring too hot tonight. They are missing yeah. 
KP, uh, but they are down 87 to 60 uh, three minutes into the third period, third quarter. Oh, man. Okay. So down by almost I knew 30. That <laughs> yeah. They, they, I knew it wasn't going super well when we started recording, but then I hadn't checked again. Also, pro tip don't bet on the Rangers to win anything. <laughs> they are down to the athletics 10 to 3 right now. They, they did break the, the losing streak. I think it was like seven or eight games, but they're just to start a new one. Um, I don't know if they have prop bets on how many Rangers players will be traded at the deadline, which is on Monday the 31st. I would bet a lot. Eesh. The past week has been devastating to their chances to be even remotely close to the expanded playoffs this year. You would think um, in a year we've got 60 games, you can get in and out of, out of the playoffs pretty quickly, or you can still be working your way into the playoffs late into the season. The trade deadline this early would, you have a lot more teams that want to stay in it, not be wholesale sellers. The Rangers are going to be one of those teams. Uh, so like I said, I did hear or see rumors that uh, Chu may be looking to go to Colorado go play with the Rockies as, as their DH, maybe hit some leadoff home runs for them. Lance Lynn uh, would be a another piece added to the, the vaunted Dodgers rotation, starting rotation for the Dodgers. I would hope they stay away from Gallo, but he may be pretty valuable as a hitter. Um, if the Rangers were more on a buyer stance at the trade deadline, I would hope they would get rid of Odor because Fool's hitting like .080 or something. And he still pimps all of his home runs, which he's, he's had like two this year. Got a stupid little bat flip or where he drops the bat. He's like, dude, <laughs> you're batting under 100. Knock it off. Anyways. They're Dude, probably you not going to. You just like blacked out and just went full baseball mode out of nowhere. I know we're we're here. I'm trying to get ready to do the Texas Tech season preview. You got me talking about baseball with Bet Online. Pro tip: stay away from the Rangers <laughs> and probably Texas Tech because that's that's just about how things go. Um, <laughs> not so, with baseball though. Not no 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 no. I, I'm talking about football. We're we're I'm trying okay. to segue right, back we're into football. Back. We're I'm trying back to. Now. We, we're right in the ship. We're going to look briefly at the 10 games on the 2020 season. Um, we're going to be basing a lot of this off of uh, the previews we have available, mainly from Bill Conley that did his his big um, FBS rankings. Um, now, the S&P Plus rankings that he has attached to these teams were the original out of 130 teams. Michael and I were talking about like, do we want to do the math and kind of reduce it down to reflect where that would be now that there's only 76 teams playing? I was like, no, it's really, we're going to use it as more of a benchmark in terms of um, ranking. Um, so like Texas tech, their projected S and P plus rank is 59th in the country, but that's only good for eighth in the conference. We're going to stick around there and then use some of our, uh, the knowledge that we have from the limited information has been coming out from all the fall camps to give you a brief preseason prediction for 2020. Oh man. Which how, may, how, how are you feeling about it? Just, just on a uh, overall, <laughs> um, excited, 
yes, not hopeful. Excited. Okay. <laughs> and 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 that's more so like I'm not even hopeful that we would play 12 games. That Texas Tech would play the full 12 game or sorry 10 game season. Um, and if they do, also not hopeful to be a 500 team. I am stuck on. I think the exact same two teams last year that were basically a coin flip for me. Oh, Spencer. Oh, this is fun. Okay. Just so y'all, we did not talk about our, uh, you know, we're going to make a prediction for each game, whether we think Tech's going to win or lose. We have not talked about these. And Spencer has created a spreadsheet on our Google Doc, and he just filled his out while I was rambling, and it looks a lot like mine. <laughs> it looks a lot like mine. All right, I think so I think the two games. Okay, I, I bet you. This is what I was getting at before I saw you started doing that. That um, the the two games that could kind of go either way for me, I think, are the only two games we're going to disagree on. <laughs> So let's let's get into it. Uh, Houston Baptist, I think, obviously, if that game is played, Texas Tech is going to win this game. Agreed. I mean, that's just. I mean, they they. Uh, UTEP won one game last year, and it was against Houston Baptist, and it was a thirty six thirty four squeaker. So <laughs> Houston Baptist, this is their seventh season. Period. They've 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 had seven years of football. Um, last year they posted their best record, which is five and seven. That's, That's their not bad. program best record. I, yeah, I'm really not dogging it because we didn't post five and seven last year, and then uh, went two and six in the Southland Conference. So they're, uh, you know, there's there's still a ways off from being like the like a Stephen F. Austin maybe or what's what's that other school we play all the time. Sam Texas. Houston State? Sam Houston. <laughs> yeah. I was like, who's another Texas forefather? Just name one. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's it's a, a definitely a win there. And I think it'll just – that's that's what that's about it. <laughs> that's about all to say on that one. Before we move on, uh, there are some familiar names on this Houston Baptist football coaching staff, namely offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Zach Kitley. He's been on the tech staff for several years, son of track coach Wes Kitley. Um, I don't know if they have any relation, but they have a Tyler Skuvenek on their on their coaching staff. Huh. Current Texas Tech University president, Lawrence Skuvenek. I don't know if it's related, but offensive line coach Jared Caster. Played for tech for several years. Um, and then one more name that you may not recognize... Um, but if we were, if we were going to be going through our favorite games, which we're not going to do one this week, their cornerbacks coach, Gabe Lynn was the cornerback that played for Oklahoma in 2011. If you remember that game really quickly, cause we're not going to go into details. The second half, the first few drives, Seth Deggie was throwing deep passes down the left side to, um, not Darren Moore, the tall guy, uh, Marcus Kennard and Eric Ward. They were they were picking on Gabe Lynn, who played for the Sooners that year. <laughs> Interesting bit of trivia. Trivia. He play, he's now the cornerbacks coach for Houston Baptist. Head coach Vic Shealy, 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 
I don't know him. But Zach Kitley, offensive coordinator. Jared Caster, offensive line. Gabe Lynn, cornerbacks. Yeah, so they're, I mean, it's obviously a program that's building and coming off, coming off their best year. So they're going to have some some hopes to, to upset Tech in a year where they're not going to get to play a conference game until, well, that's that was a poorly worded till way to say that. Spring 2021? Next year. <laughs> in a year that they won't get to play a conference game until the following year. So they, the, the Southland Conference, of, of course, if, most of y'all probably know this have uh, have decided that they're going to move all their conference games to spring, but schools can play their non-conference games if they choose to. And uh, it looks like Houston Baptist is going that way. I can't remember their other two conference games, but they had, I think all three of them were in September. I mean, sorry, their other two non-conference games. So I think they'll potentially play three games, take off several months and then come back and, and, play Abilene Christian and everybody else. Yeah, they, they, the, their conference, the Southern Conference just had that weird allowance to let them play non-conference games here in the fall. I assume so they could continue to make money for their athletic departments because that's what, that's how a lot of them stay afloat by playing these type of games and then to play their conference season in the, in the spring. So Houston Baptist, we both have them at, down as a win uh, September 19th by week, September 26th versus Texas in Lubbock. Bill Conley has them projected as the 14th best S and P plus team. Michael and I both agree. You're going to take the L. Yeah, it's it. That was the game I was most excited for that we talked about last week, but that didn't mean I thought we were going to win. But that still doesn't mean I can't be excited for it. It's it's just fun to play your rival, whether they consider us a rival or not, or one of them. Nah, I don't care. But just an inter an in, interstate squad that you always want to beat. Uh, you know, Texas last year had a decent year. Of, of course, Tech just I mean completely lost it in Austin. It was forty nine to twenty four, I think. And that feels closer than it actually. The score yeah. sounds closer than the game felt. Oh yeah, it just the whole game felt like it was just completely out of our grasp, um, and it was. But since then, you know, Herman has completely fired everyone but himself, <laughs> and possibly the cleaning person, That's and such maybe a, the guy who washes the clothes or something. A strange move to make, but he did bring in a defensive coordinator. He has. Um, familiarity with David Ash, not the former Texas quarterback David Ash, but defensive coordinator from Ohio State from when he was up there. Um, It felt like a very desperate move to fire all your coaches on your staff and rebuild when it didn't feel like Texas was on that much of a hot seat. Herman was, but maybe he felt that pressure and the pressure to perform at Texas is always pretty high, but they are predicted, projected to be uh, one or two in the conference this year. So pretty good. Um, the following week, you are on the road in Manhattan, Kansas. Michael and I disagree taking on the, the Wildcats. They have a projected ranking or pre- sorry, projected S and P plus from Bill Connolly at 54. So 
basically a toss-up in terms of her rankings. You will be on the road. I think this will have to be one of those games that you win. If there is going to be postseason play, if there's going to be balls or whatever, you have to win this type of game. Beyond that, I think you have more talent and you've developed. Um, whereas I don't know if I can say the same thing for the Wildcats. Now, they've historically had your number. I think the last time you beat them was 2016 with DeAndre Washington, Patrick Mahomes, that group. But I feel pretty confident. Or I feel confident you have a chance to win this game more so than basically anybody else. That would be a toss-up. So I put you down for a win. I I went with the loss, and it's it, it just kind of boils down to how plucky that team was last year. That, that's what most of my stuff is based on, is just directly off of how they performed last year, really. And Kansas State, of course, Tech lost by three to them at home, 30-27. to 27. Um, Kansas State went on. They had... Eight, they had an eight and five record, same as Texas. Of course, it's not the same because they're not Texas, but they ended up the year with a loss uh, to Navy in the Liberty Bowl. It was seventeen oh. to twenty. It was a close game, but but they like yeah, they completely this, they fell were, asleep on like a it's like a flea flicker from Navy or whatever. And Kansas State just was not. I'm sorry, just again trivia here. My random memory. No, you're good. Man. Watching that game, they. <laughs> They lost that game. It wasn't like it was a close game. Like they had it in the bag. Navy needed a, a, a game-winning drive with seconds to go, and they gave up a deep flea flicker to Navy. Well, Sorry, go on. No, you're you're fine. That was that was a bad moment, but they were the only team to beat OU all year until Joey Burrow thrashed them royally um but, yeah, but there was also a controversial onside kick that maybe shouldn't have gone to kansas state or there is but we lost 55 to 16 to OU. so i'm, I'm kind of looking back and just thinking cleanman Kleiman, he's he's a good coach he knows how to build a program and this will be in manhattan and tech couldn't beat him last year at home so i that i'm talking myself into the l for, uh, against Kansas State. Well, I had to talk myself into the, the win here because I think, like I said, with your number one quarterback and with the progression that you should expect from your team, I think you should win this game. But I, like I said, I had to talk myself into it. The, <laughs> following, the following week, we've talked about this, you're on the road at Iowa State. This may be your most difficult road game your most difficult game on the schedule to win michael and i agree you're gonna lose this game yeah they're uh they're kind of a dark horse for big 12 uh you know possible big 12 upset it's seems to be most of the things i've seen you know baylor's kind of fallen off a little a little bit not much baylor's such an Uh, unknown this year and we'll talk about them when they come up on the schedule here in a couple games but like Iowa State, man, Matt Campbell, Brock Purdy, their bevy of massive tight ends. <laughs> yes, they're, they're stable. Stable. They're, they've got they're a really good running gigantic back. Gigantic, large men. Um, 
I mean, they, I don't know what it is. Like their defensive coordinator figured out their three deep safety system before you played them the first time against Matt Campbell. Basically revolutionized how to defend spread teams like Tech. And since then, you just you haven't done well. They've gotten exponentially better on the offensive side. It's I I don't have good feelings about this game. Anytime you go up to Ames, it's it's been ugly. Yeah, even and, with and your best quarterback, your best teams, right? And and we haven't mentioned that. Okay, I know I, I one of the reasons I picked the L was playing in Manhattan for Kansas State and definitely for playing in Ames and Iowa State. But of course, the unknown thing here is that these stadiums will both be, you know, twenty five percent capacity or something. So that that part's probably not going to be as effective. But I'm still not going to discount how poorly Ames has treated Texas Tech mm-hmm. in recent memory. And this defense has completely flummoxed Alan Bowman and and Jet Duffy. I mean, it's it's not like they And Nick Shimanek and Nick Shimanek I mean, Holmes. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 had a, a lot of you know tech signal callers trying to beat it and they've had a very, very limited success in the last seven, eight years. And so I, I'm with you. I, I'm, I feel like Iowa State may be kind of a dark horse if things go just wrong for Texas or or just wrong for even Oklahoma State possibly that they're going to be up there in the one-two uh, position of the top of the Big 12. Yeah, so uh, Iowa State for me is a team that's on that, like on that second tier of teams that are have a chance to be competing for a title. I think you've got OU and Texas up there by themselves in one and two. I think the next tier, you've got Iowa State and Oklahoma State, pretty good three, four. And then you've got teams that are like Baylor. You've got to throw Baylor in there because there's... TCU. Yeah. I mean, I know we'll talk about them more, but it just, they came out of nowhere last year and they could kind of pick up where they left off, even though... New coaching staff, staff. And everything. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, from Iowa State, you get the week off, the 17th. Then you're back home versus West Virginia. Now, I was impressed with Jarrett Dagey and how he played for Mountaineers. It just felt like the exodus of talent that left following Holgerson's departure Neil Brown still hasn't been able to fill those spots. I just don't think they're there yet. You will be home. Again, we don't know what home away momentum is going to look like. I just think you have a better team. You beat them pretty pretty good last year. They scored uh, in garbage time to make it closer than it looked. Even with Jet Duffy, which I, I say even with, but with Jet Duffy on the road, you beat them pretty handily. I, I think you'll do the same this year. I'm I'm with you. It was a 38 to 17 win in Morgantown last year. It was one of the only semi enjoyable games to watch from start to finish. It was we them in Oklahoma feeling, State. Yeah, basically. And, and well, even Oklahoma State, you started to get nervous the last probably the last five minutes. You really started to get nervous, and you were nervous going in. West Virginia, it didn't quite feel as you're right big, but it was. It was a, a, a sound defeat, and I'm not sure Brown's been able to 
recruit himself out of that just yet. Uh, they did win five games last year, which is one more than Tech, but it, it wasn't a they weren't a significantly better team in in many other categories except for possibly uh, passing defense. Yeah, I like I said. In terms of conference games, I'm most confident about this one, which is sad because they're not Kansas. Oh, I was about to say, <laughs> like, well, there's one other. And then I thought, OK, I see what you're saying. All right. The following week, Halloween, you host the Sooners. I think even with a new quarterback, even without C.D. Lamb, uh, Kennedy Brooks may be playing. I don't even know if he is a running back, but. I think their offensive weapons are just going to be so talented. I think their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, has things figured out a little bit better in year two. They're going to be one of the best teams in the country. Even at home, I I have a hard time seeing this one as a win. Yeah, this kind of goes back to the reverse of what we were saying. You know, the Jones on Halloween night with a big opponent coming in probably a top five team by that point once ohio state finally drops out of the rankings (laughs) they will they will not have the same atmosphere that that or they will not have to deal with the same atmosphere that uh, they would on a normal year so what little advantage that would help in this game is gone and i i think you're right i think they'll be able to just reload they'll have guys we've never heard of catch for 23 touchdowns or something i don't know it'll just it'll just be insane but um yeah i don't feel good about that one at all and i'm i'm expecting a loss there following week you go on the road to jones at&t stadium east fort worth take on the horn frogs i think in terms of momentum back-to-back games i think this is where um a bad loss versus oklahoma may affect you the following week DCU is supposed to be pretty good this year, especially on defense. Um, Offensive weapons, Gary Patterson always seems to find some kind of um, some kind of answer for skill players in in the Metroplex that work out for them. They projected to be a top 40 team, uh, according to Conley. Um, Even when they haven't had historically good defenses for them, you've had really close, tight games. Um, I don't think Bowman has faced a TCU defense yet. I think Duffy's played in, in both of those games, so this will be his first time doing it and have to do it on the road. Um, I say you lose this game as well. We, this is one we disagree on. and We disagree. We disagree. This These were the two. Kansas State and TCU were both – the same, I swear I had this exact same thought process last year. Either of those, I mean, I could do almost flip a coin and talk myself into either scenario. And teams so that were purple. For, yeah. For, for TCU, I've talked myself into a win just because of how close Tech played them last year. Uh, Tech only lost by two. I think it was 33-31 at home. TCU, I mean, they they went into last year. People were kind of thinking the same thing they're thinking this year, but they went five and seven, and really disappointed fans to the point where I mean, it's just are Patterson's days numbered, and you were starting to see things like that floating around. And I obviously don't think he's 
done or anything, but he's he's got a lot of work to do to put together a team that I, I don't think Tech can beat. And and that's not where I am right now. I I, I think Tech can take on the Frogs in Houston. I mean, it's Houston in Fort Worth, in front of you know tens of twenty fans and and just really be able to get that win on the road. Following TCU, you come home to face Baylor, the most unknown team I think on your schedule this year. Because they did they did win eleven games last year. They did play in the conference championship game. They didn't go to the Sugar Bowl. And they're playing with a new coach, but like a coach that I think is very well respected is not like, oh man, they they really took took a chance on, on, on Dave Aranda. I think everybody's been waiting for him to get his chance to, to be a head coach. Um, he brought some defensive assistance from LSU, from his national championship team, was able to get Larry Fedora as his offensive coordinator, former North Carolina head coach, to be his offensive coordinator, which I think I said. Um, so, like, very quietly has assembled a pretty salty staff. Um now, the question is, what does that look like? What does Baylor look like? What does Charlie Brewer and the Bears look like on offense? They've been historically good because um, they just get some stupid, good offensive talent down there in Waco. They've always seemed to figure out enough on defense to be disruptive um, and to hold teams off enough that, you know, they're able to win lots of games. They were they were really good on defense last year. Adding in Dave Aranda this year, I mean, can he make a big jump in one year? I don't know. Is there a big jump to be made? Probably not. So, like, projected, uh, Bill Conley has them 32. I think that's low for them. Um, but it also could be really high. I, I don't know. I don't have no idea what this game's going to look like. My interest and excitement to see how Aranda does because I, I I've wanted him on the tech sidelines for years has me a little uh, swayed over to the thought that it will not be a close game like it was last year and I think Baylor wins this this game this this kind of reminds me of having this conversation last year where I talked myself into I think I talked myself into a loss against K-State because it was later in the season and Kleeman and Kleiman would have had a chance to kind of figure out the Big 12 a little bit more and uh, know his players more. And I think this is going to be my reasoning beyond what you just said for this L in uh, in the Baylor game. I, I think that Aranda, you know, whatever growing pains he has, he will probably have figured it out by November 14th. Um, he's an excellent mind. He's got good assistance around him, as you've said. And this is a team whose only losses last year were two against OU and one against Georgia. Uh, you, you know, coaching change or not, this is a talented team. Uh, I know that s- some of these games, they were, I think I said it last year, they're probably the luckiest football team that I've ever seen to get to 11 wins. They had to have a lot of things go right. But, I mean, when it came right down to it, they took OU to – overtime in the big 12 championship and you know they were a good football team and and they hung in there and they won games so 
I expect that to continue this year in some form or fashion. 11 wins, probably not, but they're, they're going to be up there in, you know, at least I would say seven, eight win territory, which is saying a lot this year. Yeah. When you're playing 10 games, it's like a nine or 10 win, uh, in the regular 12 game schedule, November 21st, um, you've got that week off. Then you go on the road to Stillwater on the 28th to face Oklahoma state. Probably the next most unknown team on your schedule. How is Spencer Sanders going to be progressing? What is that defense going to look like? Um, what is their, I mean, historically again, Mike Gunning's really good at putting together offenses and disruptive defenses. Um, this is, you know, outside of Texas and Oklahoma, the highest projected team on your schedule at 21. Uh, you had Iowa State at 29, um, Baylor at 32, TCU at 36. So Oklahoma State could be the most difficult team if those projections are accurate, you know, 11 weeks into the season, 11 games into, or sorry, nine games into the season. Um, I don't think Stillwater does you any favors here. There will probably still be enough fans and students in there to be hitting some kind of paddles on the wall. I don't know. I, I don't have a good feeling here. I got you down for a loss. Yeah, probably no surprise I do as well. And a lot of this is really based on last year's. It, it was a fluke of a game. Uh, I think they had five turnovers, and by they, Oklahoma State had five turnovers Sanders had two or three of them himself. Um, maybe he may have had four. I can't remember. But you were able to get pressure on him, and he just looked—he never looked settled. He was right making mental it, mistakes because of the pressure you're able to get, which was not something you could replicate basically anytime the rest of the year. Yeah, and Tech was able to really take advantage of of that pressure and create turnovers and and then score. I mean, it was just perfect. It was a perfect recipe. That that first half was just absolutely fantastic. The the best half of football Tech played all year. And still, Oklahoma State came back and was, uh, you know, Chuba Hubbard finally found where found his his juice and was able to get in the end zone. I think right before halftime. And the next thing you know, I forgot how much Tech was winning by, but. Uh, they ended up winning 45-35, and if that game had been about seven, eight, or five minutes longer, it may have been a loss. Mm-hmm. But it just the momentum kind of shifted. But luckily, Tech was so far ahead. Anyway, all that to say, I realized that Tech beat them last year, but it was at home, and it, there were a lot of fluky things that led to it. I'll take a win any way I can get it, but I just don't see it happening this year in Stillwater, especially after you know uh, two years ago getting that first win in Stillwater for 20 years or whatever it was. Uh, I don't see us doing back-to-back. Yeah. Final game of the season, back home hosting Kansas for a revenge game. Michael and I agree. I think you do win this game. I think for the reasons that Michael was saying that you won the game versus Oklahoma State, very similar reasons why Kansas was able to beat you last year. It was very fluky. It felt like you gave up big plays. Not that I'm saying that you didn't, um, that it was just luck and all that kind of stuff. You allowed them to happen. 
the blocked field goal turnover thing, probably where I'm landing on on the flukiest thing. I mean, that, that's up there with like the fumbled snap versus Baylor that cost you that game that ended up giving Baylor another shot in overtime. Same thing with Kansas. You block their field goal. You recover the kick and then turn it right back over to him to attempt it one more time before time expires. I don't think that kind of thing happens again. It may be closer because Carter Stanley's still their quarter. No, not Carter Stanley. What's his name? Oh, man. Don't quiz me on KU quarterbacks. Their, their quarterback's still there. He's still pretty good. They still have pretty good uh, receiver options. Puka Williams is still a great running back for them. Can less miles figure out a defense, maybe. Um, but I, I just think they're still not good enough to beat you on a consistent basis. I think the, the, the fluke nature of that game last year, I think you win this one. I'm with you. It's, and you just have to. That's it. You just have to beat Kansas. You don't lose that's, to that's Kansas. That's really my reasoning. <laughs> yeah, don't don't lose to Kansas at home. At home, call back. Yeah, yeah, the final game of the year. Hopefully, we're still playing football then. So, beat Kansas. That's so, it. <laughs> one more thing I wanted to touch on before we get into our questions. Well, one. So, my predictions for this season. Um, I've got Texas Tech going four and six. I'm a, I'm actually a little, having gone through all this, a little less confident about Kansas State. I could see three and seven, four and six. Yeah, we ended up with the exact same record because of that Kansas State TCU uh, flip flop for us. So. I'm I'm looking at four wins, three conference wins. That's Which, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. If you only you know if you win, if you only win two conference games in 2020, that's still an improvement. No, 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 because we were two and seven last year. So if we win three conference games, that's an improvement. Okay, if you win three conference games, that's an improvement. I've got you down for three. Um. Now, in terms of like close games, because I, I want to bring up Matt Wells' stats, something we, we tracked a lot last year, and it's how well his teams performed in close games. Close games, I, I can see on the schedule, Kansas State, um, hopefully not West Virginia. TCU or Baylor could end up being close games. Kansas could be a close game, but the biggest thing, Matt Wells' teams uh, in... Sorry, his his total record forty five and thirty nine. Much better at home. He's thirty and ten versus away games fifteen and twenty nine. But it was the one score games that were the really the the, the troubling thing. He's seven and eighteen in games decided by eight or fewer points. Which, if you're doing the math, that is a seventy two percent loss rate. So um, we just gotta we just gotta blow him out. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have a close game, you might as well have it at home. He's six and three in close games at home, two and 15 in those same games on the road. So um, if you're going to be winning more games, you got to be working on, on closing out games, closing out one score games um, and getting better. So Michael, are you ready to, uh, to tackle some of our questions before we wrap this up tonight? You bet. Now, 
Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy? Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, so Matt Wells' headset sent us a question. Actually, he sent us several questions. Um, he set the over-under wins for the 2020 season at 12.5. 10 regular season, the Big 12 title game, two playoff games. Michael, where are you at on that? I'm going to take the under. I'm going to hammer the under. <laughs> I will mortgage my house on the under. Every cash asset I have, give me the under. Yeah, I will liquefy my gigantic gold uh, deposits on the under. Yeah, that's where I am on that. Assuming 10 regular season games played over under seven and a half, Alan Bowman starts. Hmm. This one's difficult because my thought process is over. He's going to play all of them, but he hasn't done that ever for tech. Well, and there's, there's the random chance because, you know, Matt Wells has been very coy about, well, Bowman's earned the starting position as of today or earned the, you know, he, like most coaches, they kind of word things like that. And I'm sure that's to give guys like MacGyver a bit of a kick in the pants or something, but there could be some random thing that MacGyver ends up starting at some point or, um, the kid from Utah state who I hate that. I can't remember his name. And then, uh, who knows? So that's a good question. I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna take the over on that and just be hopeful that we have a healthy Alan, Alan Bowman and a consistent Alan Bowman, and that he'll will play at least eight games. Leading receiver this year. Well, it's not going to be Royals. No, because he's um, he's gone. It's gone. Your options are Seth Collins. I keep seeing that um, moving him to the outside is going to make a big difference in, in Filani, and everybody's really pleased with all that. But Which but would we'll make see. like a 6'3", 200 quarterback make sense to be on the outside. That's pretty similar size to Crabtree. Playing him yeah. inside doesn't make a lot of sense unless you want to use him as a tight end. But even then, then he's like, well, he's now he's too small. But yeah, he's um, getting quite a bit of hype from uh, these, you know, these workouts and stuff. I don't think you have a running back as your leading receiver, but Sir Roderick Thompson, Chadarius Townsend could be in there. Uh, TJ Vasher. That's the easy answer aside from um, maybe Ezekama or something. I, I think I've got to go with Vasher. I, I know that's well, the easy answer, but that's, the hope that's, is yes, he's, he's made his progress and he's going to be that outside, you know, consistent, reliable target yeah it, it, he kind of disappeared last year which was which was too bad uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that he's gonna reemerge this year and become the leading receiver so that's that's gonna be my pick I would agree with you that it's likely going to be an outside receiver I would I would go with either TJ Vasher or Seth Collins uh, I think they're playing opposite each other I historically if this wasn't like if this was a a Kingsbury team, I'd probably have a little more hesitant not to name an inside receiver. I've got McLean Mannix. Um, 
guys, I can't remember, uh, goodness gracious, the other inside receivers, and I'm blanking on either way. Um, But I think with Yost playing one inside receiver and one tight end, with the four or five guys you got playing inside receiver, that guy's going to get moved out a lot. Uh, So Mannix, Rigdon, guys that are like that, I think are going to get, they're all pretty good. They're they're not going to be as consistent of a threat as a Seth Collins or TJ Vasher. Yeah. Loic Fungi. No, he's a freshman. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I was like, well, I mean, that that would be something. I just needed to get the correct correct pronunciation of his name into the recording. (laughs) Good job. It's on the record. It's on the record. You guys heard shout it here out, first. Shout out to Keith for uh, <laughs> letting us know this. For giving us the pronunciation guide. Yep. Position group you're most worried about. Um, it's got to, it has to be like corner. I know, but I like Derek Jones so much. That's, I do. That's immediately who I thought of, but then I, I just really like Jones. I like what he's bringing. I, I loved how he was treated when he left Duke. Like basically they, they cried and had a parade for him. I mean, it was, it it was really something. And that was my first initial thought, but then I just went back to, to Jones. And so I'm not sure I'm go ahead, go into your reasoning though. Well, so I, I think about all the other position groups on defense. Um, I guess the only other one that I, I, that would be up next would be like defensive line. You haven't heard a whole lot about the talent you have there. But I think like on safeties, I I think you've got enough options there that uh, Patterson can figure something out. Linebackers, you've got Rico Jeffers. You've got the transfers in from Michigan State, Boyer Randall. Um, I I just I, I don't see anything else on the defensive side. I know pass defense last year was atrocious. Really starts with your corners that are covering the receivers. Um and then I, I I look at the offensive side and like depth that running back could be an issue, but I like the options you have there. You've got four guys that could play. They all, all probably will play this year. Offensive linemen, the conversation earlier, cross training, I'm not so worried about them. Your quarterback room's pretty thin, but the transfer in Henry Columbia from Utah Thank State. You. I could not remember Columbia's name earlier. Um, gives you just that little added cushion where like if Bowman goes down and MacGyver is not ready someone else has experience playing with Yost and Wells it's just it's the group I've, I've heard the less the least from that also was pretty terrible last year well I've I may actually go against the grain on you a little bit here and I think the the QB group worries me the most and that's fine because we've said that Bowman hasn't played a full season and then everything else behind him is unproven. Sure. Uh, you know, m- most of Bowman's games were not against power five teams. Um, and just a handful of a handful were against big 12 teams and he struggled in some of these games. So I, I worry about that just to mm-hmm. begin with that, as as good as he can be 
there were still plenty of flaws and a lot of missed throws, especially in the end zone. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, way missed throws in the end zone that seemed to happen a few times, even against uh, Montana State, whoever that was that was that was Tech's first game. Mm-hmm. But so just just the quarterback play kind of worries me in general. And then if Bowman is unable to start for whatever reason, whether he's benched or whether he's, God forbid, hurt or something, you know, McIver hasn't taken a snap in two years. And Columbia, you know, he played very limited time at Utah State. And it, I do think the fact that he's an older uh presence in the locker room and stuff and as you said it has a rapport with the coaches that will help but i still feel like it's it's a we're heading back into another season where we're very thin at quarterback and so that's that's what i'm most worried about and i think we're just thin on the experience part i think talent wise i think we're all pretty comfortable with the guys that have been able to that have been recruited here maverick mcgyver talented um, Donovan Smith from Friendship, really talented guy. Yeah, I was about to say, let's not forget Smith too. I I should have mentioned him as well. But he he will be a true freshman. Um, hasn't played a lot of years at quarterback. Um, so like I said, it's just not concerned about talent per se. At least on my end, I'm more concerned about experience. Nobody really has it, so I can see where you're, where you're coming from there. Last question, are the new uniforms an upgrade? I think they're a little simplified. I, I wasn't really a huge fan of the check mark guns up thing on the shoulders. Um, I'm a fan. It wasn't like a huge upgrade. It was not, not a big change for me. So, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're fine. I'm not... It's it's not a huge interest of mine. I do like that they got rid of the gray. That was probably the best the biggest thing that I noticed and that I kind of had a strong opinion about, but the photos I've seen of the, I think they did all reds, all blacks and all whites for the, just kind of the showcase photos that they gave. I, I thought they were pretty clean looking and, and like you said, simplified. And I think sometimes that's kind of the way to go. Yeah. Um, red, red reset, man, which do you prefer chicken thighs or chicken breast? Give me thighs, man. Dude, I, I've been converted since. Um, <laughs> okay, let's let's keep this in correct context. But since I've been married, I've s- switched my preference from breast to thighs, and that's because of my wife. <laughs> Sounds awful. Okay, so your wife convinc- con- converted you from <laughs> breast to thighs. Yes, exactly. Um, because she, I, I never cooked with them. You know, my parents didn't really cook with with chicken thighs that much growing up, and I just didn't really care for bone-in chicken, really. And then, you know, something kind of switched in me probably in my mid-20s where I like bone-in chicken all of a sudden, but I still didn't like thighs at all. So I'm getting to where I like thighs quite a bit, and I I, I might pre- prefer it. If I'm cooking, I definitely prefer it because it's so much easier to grill or smoke. It turns out so much better than chicken breast. You don't have to worry about it drying out nearly as easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I've talked about this on the show before. When it comes down to like splitting a chicken or something, um, 
my wife really likes the the leg and the thigh and then I'll I like the breast and the wing so I, I really I'll eat either one for sure but man I'm, I'm coming around on chicken thighs they're, they're very versatile of like the which there four main cuts on a chicken breast mm-hmm. has to be the last one for me really give me wings yeah. legs thighs not in that order but it probably well it depends the context of, of what you're serving but breast for me would be last I I basically like them like if you're going to bake them or if you're going to turn them into into ch- chicken strips chicken yeah, tendies yeah t- tendies it's hard to beat i mean i really i really love some tendies which so i guess the tender is actual there. it's a part it's an actual part of the breast not actual like strips of the breast anyways um yeah like give me thighs yeah it, and just the one, so much easier to cook and grill yeah. is, is the thigh. They, they just will not dry out. I think you've practically got to completely burn them before they will dry you out. you got to blow them up. Um, the one thing I, I don't like about the thighs is if they're not cut right, you're going to get some of the backbone in it. Yeah, and like that's you're, true. You're picking out like little pieces of bone and like I don't like that. So. But if you're getting bone-in chicken breast, there could be ribs. There could be all oh, sorts I'm, of weird stuff. In, yeah. Is, is there bone-in bre- That sounds awful. Yes. Yeah. Well, or have you never not done like beer can chicken or something? No. There you go. You got you to carve that up yourself at the end. And depending on how good your knife skills are, <laughs> well, like you're going to have a weird looking <laughs> cut there. I've done r- rotisserie chicken. Like, like it comes whole from, you know, the. Do you just pick it off? whatever no i mean like i can cut along the the bones there to not get bones in the breast well but even if you go to like a kentucky fried chicken those are bone in on the breast always, yeah yeah no if you get a bucket of chicken there's there's you've got to eat around the bone there's that's they don't just like give you a well because okay. that would be weird. Okay, so so here's the <laughs> thing: have it, like a slab chicken breast amongst <laughs> legs and wings and thighs. So if yeah, I'm going it's, to it's a, got bones on it, if I'm going to KFC or Popeyes or whatever, and I'm getting a bucket of chicken, I'm not getting white meat. So oh, so that's why I don't yeah. ever get the okay. Save you some money too. What is the percent chance tech makes it through the entire season, or will COVID end it early? Um, I have a percent. Okay, you go first. Twenty-five. You you think Tech has a twenty-five percent chance of playing all ten games? Yes. I'm not super optimistic about that. I now it, it's hard for me to gauge and get proper context because I'm looking at professional sports and it's a different aspect of um participation but like I see how they're doing it it's going to be a lot different for football we haven't seen anybody try football yet and I think as long as everybody's staying on top of the testing and self-isolating and controlling outbreaks when they pop up you've got a pretty good shot I'm not confident that we're 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 laying this responsibility at the feet of 17 to 21 year old young men. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, and then again, it's, it's not even fair to, yeah, it's not fair to blame them when 
when things blow up, but I'm sure I'm sure they will get a, f- a fair share of the blame, whether it's warranted or not. And can you imagine like the outrage oof. of like Alabama fans when when their team like sh- shuts it down? You get a bunch of like morbidly obese fifty year old <laughs> men screaming about we didn't get football and it's your fault and just like the animosity. Paul Paul Feinbaum's phone lines would just catch fire. They would they would it's, just they would just melt. The fiber would just it just glass would just explode out of the fiber <laughs> of the phone lines. There, there'd just be nothing, nothing left. And then he ends it with a little a little bit of encouragement in terms of little league baseball. His coach pitch team went one in seven this year, and he ended the year with a, with a victory, a twelve to eleven win. Congrats, man. I know what seasons are like when you don't have any wins. I've done it. I, I've had conversations with friends and, and Samantha about whether or not I'm going to coach again next year. I would rather be paired with an experienced coach and learn from them because I don't really feel like I know what I'm doing. I took on head coach, the manager role this year because of my experience last year being tied with somebody that didn't know what they were doing, and it was bad. So I'm probably going to do it again i just don't know hey hats off to you red raider reset man for ending the year on a high note to a 12 and 11 squeaker that was probably a, a pretty fun game to play especially for the kids getting their getting their win and getting such a close one at the end too yeah for sure man congrats all right with that we will close it out with what we learned what did we learn palmer i don't know sir i don't know either all right, Michael, fill us in on your progress with Harry Potter. Guys, I've read all of the books. Hey, I've finished, I've finished the books. <laughs> all seven books are read. I, I have some thoughts. I don't want to break into it too much, but I still could have never named my son after Snape. He's still a gigantic tool to me all through my years at school and then all of a sudden he does something good at the last second and I'm going to, I'm just not going to, I can't do it. I couldn't name my son after Severus. Then Severus, Albus Severus. I also wondered how many Albuses are at Hogwarts now? It's, it's kind of like when, when some name becomes popular and everyone names their kid like like that same thing. Like Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Jackson's super popular or Hudson. Grayson. I, I have cousins Wait, named Jackson and <laughs> Hudson. I have two cousins named Jackson. Same side of the family. We we were gonna name Grayson Jackson, and then we were at like a party with like a. I think it was at like his gender reveal party we do with Samantha's family, and one of our nephews, unprompted, didn't know that we had a name picked out, comes up. It's like, have you guys thought about naming him Grayson? We're like, actually, how about that? <laughs> yeah. It's like no, I, th- yeah, yeah I, I've, I think that, um, nineteen years later, after the events of He Who Shall Not Be Named, there were probably a lot of Albuses floating around Hogwarts at about that time. But anyway, it was it was very enjoyable. I liked how things tied together at the end. I've still may need to reread the last few chapters because so much was explained and so much was dealt with and so many conversations were had that it was kind of hard to follow. Oh, so that's why, Oh, so who has the elder one? So why, 
that's why I have the power of the elder oh, because yeah. Of the, yeah anyway but still loved it thought it was a lot of fun um, probably will do it again someday and all I've got left to do and I've got it on my Google calendar because I'm that old <laughs> is watch the Deathly Hallows part one and two next this I'm going to watch them this weekend so um, I've carved out time and Allison and I are going to watch them once once the little one's in bed and probably do it in three nights because we'll fall asleep <laughs> and you don't <laughs> and need the, we won't be able to finish one movie you don't need the discs from us I don't think so I think oh you know what I, I had horrible timing for this Sorry, this is too long. Um, the My plan was to watch these using my free seven-day trial on HBO Max. Well, guess mm. what they took off HBO Max today? Harry Potter? All of them. All of, their, all of them are gone as of August 25th. They're, and they are completely of... gone from free, not, not free, but they are completely gone from streaming subscription services until... I think they will land on Peacock because NBC bought the rights mm-hmm. for them. I think they will land there in October. So I'm just going to rent them, dude. I'm going to – I feel like this is cool. I'm fine with renting the last two movies because I read every book for free and I watched the first six movies for free. So, so now I, you're going to pay can, for it? Yeah, I can rent the last two. I don't mind dishing out $8. <laughs> As a fan of like dark movies, six is probably my favorite. Oh, six is six is rough. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Spoiler alert, everybody. The you know serious going down at the end. That's five. No, that's no. You're right. That is Order of the Phoenix. Heck, how did six end? Oh, the Horcruxes. He learned about the. He Horcruxes. starts going on that, but like what ends with. Oh, the big death. Of course. Of course. Oh, my gosh. They, I read them, and they all ran together. Yes. Six was super dark. The movie's dark. The, Dang. You know, getting the Horcrux, getting that locket, which actually ended up not being the Horcrux, but the whole journey to get that, feeding that poison to Dumbledore, their return, everything that happened after that. Yes. That was a tough one. <laughs> that was a really tough way to end. And, you know, honestly, one of the ones that got me the most on the rewatch, and I was kind of surprised by it, was but was Goblet of Fire. Maybe it's because I'm a dad now, but... My boy! Oh, my gosh, right? You know exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, where when they come back and Cedric is, has been killed by Lord Voldemort, and they come back through the port key and all that, and the dad just loses it naturally. In front and of then, everybody. I, then that was probably like the, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's really tough. That's awful. Yeah. Anyway. Um, four is, is a good one for me. The whole like aspect of them being like super in like the, the heavy into the emotional side of teenagers in the fifth movie was not like, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is too, it's too moody. It's too, uh, I don't know. It was kind of whiny. and well, yeah, The fifth one was just rough for me all around because I didn't really care for, and I, it, it's explained in the end and everything. 
and he admits that he probably shouldn't have done it that way. But still, it just wasn't enjoyable to read Dumbledore ignore Harry Potter for an entire book. That just kind of sucked <laughs> to read. And I mean, I, I get the the point he was why he was trying to do it. And then that he realized later that he, he shouldn't have. OK, fine. But that's still the whole time you're just Harry's just getting more and more frustrated and you're you're getting frustrated, too. <laughs> So that was just kind of, yeah. The fifth one was, was it was a tough, it was a tough one to get through as far hang. as reading. Yeah. Um, and then just because we're on it real quick, I think my other least favorite is the f- like uh, seven part one. As far as movies, yeah, I yeah. can't remember. I can't remember the movies that well. I'll, I'll have more of an opinion on that in a week or so. It's so much of of the three of them going on the hunt for Horcruxes, and it's just like, again, it's it's, it's moody and like. That's like seventy percent of the book. <laughs> There's like so much of the book that's, but the book I didn't it didn't bother me. I I didn't mind it, but but I guess yeah, in the movie it may just be a little bit too much. Ron needs to take off that locket. He shouldn't have been wearing that locket. And, and and for some reason, it's just like the action and the drama, like just the intensity of the whole base. Like it's like half the movie, like the battle at Hogwarts in the second movie. Like it pulls you back in. Cause like, Oh yeah. Characters you've known for six books before getting killed off and Molly Weasley screaming and, Oh yes, <laughs> who she kills going, and the way she does it, yeah, dude. Sorry. Anyways, um, yeah, we are we're actually in the middle of watching six now. Um, Samantha's listening to the seventh book, and we'll we'll start watching those movies here pretty soon. But the one one other thing. Okay, I know we keep saying this, but Neville showing up. I actually got emotional reading when Neville just randomly showed up in, Oh, I already forgot Dumbledore's brother's name. Brian. No, it's not Brian. Is it? It's something with an a, or is that one of his middle names? I don't remember. Yeah. It's one of Albus's middle names. Anyway, I can't believe I'm blanking on this, but anyway, Neville just randomly shows up and he looks like hell. Aberforth. There you go. And Neville shows up and just looks like hell. And he's like, Harry, I knew you'd come back. And cause I love Neville Neville. It's, it's, that's probably one of my biggest beefs with the movie and it's not their fault because you can't do everything, but I never thought Neville got his due as a, he, I mean, just as brave and courageous kid as the other kids, but maybe just not as skilled or as confident. And then towards the end of this last movie, I, I guess I can't remember, but the end of the book, definitely he was in six. He was that no in seven and oh. seven. Cause he's at Hogwarts while all this crazy stuff's going on. And he's basically leading a resistance the entire time. He's kind of being Harry when mm. Harry's yeah. And Harry's not at Hogwarts. So he's kind of just become that guy. So I just, I feel like he never quite got his due in the movies, but he was one of my favorite characters in the book. So to see him just show up out of nowhere and then him being like battle scarred and, and everything was like, ah, Neville, Neville's, Neville's doing it, man. He's, he's killing it. Yeah. That's it. I'll stop now. Last piece of news, Michael, you entered this in. Um, Yeah, it was, 
it was it was really cool. Todrick Gocher was in town. I'm I'm not sure how long he was in town or anything, but he just randomly posted on Twitter on the 22nd, which was Saturday. That he's just he's going to start driving around Lubbock and put basketball nets on every goal without one. And he wanted some. And then he tweeted that again on Sunday. He's like, "Hey, send me your requests and stuff." So I mean, people were sending him requests, and he'd send photos and. You know, hey, I'm I'm over here at this park around Memphis or whatever, and so he just he did just what he said it was going to do. It just drove around Lubbock and put up some nets where they needed to go. It was really just kind of a. It's one of those things you never think of, but it's sure it costs money and time, but it's a relatively simple thing to do. But it does make a big difference. So that I thought that was really cool. No, it's so cool, and just all, all the people that are one giving him. I guess recommendations of places to go, but like there are people that are like, Hey man, put up like a Venmo account so we can help support this and we can, you know, share some of the costs with you. Oh yeah. People were trying to, you know, trying to pitch in and everything. One guy even said something like, you won't even need a ladder. I've seen that vertical. <laughs> and so everybody was, I mean, obviously it's a really cool thing to do. And so everyone was supportive. So thanks. Thanks Todrick Gocher. If, if anybody knows Mr. Gocher, Tell them that the the guys at 23 personnel appreciate that. And I'm sure all the kids and I'm sure there's grown kids, too, that are playing basketball at these parks that. No, for sure. That miss having a net when they're not there, you know. Yeah. And and just the way that you said the the guys at 23 personnel, the guys at 23 personnel and the Rob Bro College tailgate show. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We're double billed now. And syndicated. Get on our level. Um, so yeah, just a quick reminder. If you're still listening, we are going to be on air this Saturday afternoon, one to three with Rob bro over on KFYO 95.1 FM, seven ninety AM. Um, and then starting on September 12th, we will be on KKAM 1340 AM every Saturday, 10 to noon. Catch us on the pregame tailgate show with host Rob Bro. Michael, any last parting shots before we we sign off for one more week off and then we're back in it for two episodes a week? As of right now, we're going to have football, so let's enjoy it the best we can. Yeah, and if we don't have football, we'll still be here. We won't be doing instant reactions to games that didn't happen, but we will still be recording. Um, there will still be plenty to talk about plenty of sports going around or, or, or the, or the thought of sports. Yeah. Cause like if basketball, if football's not playing basketball, maybe what, what their plans are, all that kind of stuff. So that'll do it for us this week on the 23 personnel podcast. Make sure you get your sub submissions in for dream. No little dream. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. 
The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 